0: From the Mercy One studio. Welcome, folks, to The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. Every week, diving deep into the truth of Catholic social teaching and restoring all things in Christ.
1: The Uncommon Good is on the air. I'm Bo Bonner. Dr. Bud Martin. We are coming to you live from these United States of America. I am here in Des Moines, Iowa, where I'm the Director of Mission and Ministry at Mercy College of Health Sciences and the Director of the Zeta Institute for Foundation Ethics and Leadership. You can find us at mchs.edu and zetainstitute.com. Bud is out there in Pittsburgh, America. Bud, what do you do in the city of Bridges and uh, Pits?
2: I'm the director at the National Institute for Newman Studies. You can find us at newmanstudies.org.
1: As I uh, have told people before, it's absolutely true. I got to go out and see Bud in his natural element in Pittsburgh, and there are many bridges and uh, many tunnels, and it is nearly impossible to drive in a straight line anywhere bud but that just means that you get to see a lot of the beautiful parts of the city uh so that must be nice now that it's fall i mean we have beautiful trees out here that's really turning into fall colors it must be a uh pumpkin spice uh drinker like john leonetti's dream out in pittsburgh at this point
2: oh yeah pumpkin spice to your heart's delight potatoes um adam story who does amazing work for the diocese tells me that pittsburgh means the city of pits so we need those bridges that's right. l- lest you fall into holes.
1: Well, I mean, it is uh, true. There seems to be a lot of uh, 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 divots uh, that need to be spanned across. Uh, and then you have, of course, we have the confluence of two rivers. You have the confluence of three. So I, maybe that's all it is, But is when you have that third river in there, it really um, causes uh, interesting things to occur.
2: Did you see the photo of the bus that was tipped up at like a 60 degree angle?
1: Yes, I was wondering yeah. if that had uh, if that was near anything we were about to do or not. <laughs> we probably lucked out
2: or God was watching over us.
1: Well, yeah, the we didn't have any such uh, dipping into uh, anything like that. So it, it was good to go regarding that. Um, as always, we are brought to you by Mercy College of Health Sciences, mchs.edu. We are sort of getting to that magical part of the year where everybody is looking forward to Thanksgiving, but activity still fluttering around. Uh, I even went up late to the office relatively to grab something. And indeed, Bud, there were many students there, some of them perhaps studying for your class. Have you been really dropping the hammer uh, as the temperatures have been dropping?
2: Uh, maybe in my mind. That's how I style myself. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, at least the students seem to be doing fine. I don't know if that's my light grading or their... Uh, Amazingness, or some combination of the two.
1: That's absolutely... Uh, I think your amazingness has a lot to do with that, <laughs> Bud. MCHS.edu. Please go check out all the pro- programs uh, that we have. Uh, we have record amounts of students, and we'd like to you to join the ranks uh, of the, that group as well. So, Bud, um, what are you even now doing with yourself? You know, you're not traveling around the world. You, you've had this big uh you know newman's canonization does everything you know taste bitter and is a just a, a shallow shade of gray or is there uh still things that you're going about uh doing in the world because of uh your connection with newman
2: no as my wife rachel can attest <clears throat> excuse me I'm, I'm i'm a serious homebody so i think during the i think during the month of october i was out like four of the five weekends um, and so this month, I'm really looking forward to it. We're not we're not going anywhere for Thanksgiving, so I'm just gonna hibernate at home.
1: That's nice. You're gonna uh, just sit with a turkey and eat off the couch and never move.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I do like that turkey and induced coma that you can uh, justify on Thanksgiving. Day. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I normally don't pass out from eating too much, but it is Thanksgiving.
1: That's right. That uh, approaching yeah. soon. Did, and you guys uh, had to. You, you actually had a neighborhood that delayed, um, I know everything's beggar's night yeah. in, in Des Moines, but you guys actually had to delay Halloween itself because of how bad the uh, weather was?
2: Yeah, it was kind of a joke. Well, it wasn't how bad the weather was because uh, many parts of Pittsburgh still had trick-or-treating, but in Ross Township, the, the bureaucrats, how <laughs> that be? We're calling <laughs> they, them out on radio. <laughs> they, saw, they, they saw a bad forecast, like, oh, it's supposed to rain three inches on Thursday night. So um, they they postponed they postponed things till Saturday. So I ended up missing it. I was at a conference in New York City and missed trick or treating with my kids. Thanks a lot, Ross. (laughs) I I don't know the the rain passed through like the rain was finished at about five thirty. But uh, we did have, I was like, oh, it would have been fine, and there was 60-mile-per-hour winds or something. Rachel's like, the kids would have blown away. Ah, But the candy would
1: have been, like, easier to probably grab because it's, like, flying in the air. You know, but it was really cold here and sort of snowed, and I, you know, Iowans are always like, Iowa winters, Iowa winters, we're a hardy folk, and then... They didn't really come out for beggars night. I was a little disappointed. My kids were all decked out as Marvel characters, but you know what? They didn't really need the extra candy, so it's going to be okay. So, Bud, who do we have on the show uh, today?
2: So our guest this morning is Catherine Jean Lopez, and she's a columnist for um, the National Review Online, but she's recently compiled and, and published this book, A Year with the Mystics. Uh, and it's—I think, Bo, with it being the month of November, and we just celebrating All Saints' Day last week, it's a great time to talk about the wisdom that we can gain from the mystics. And of course, we'll try to press her to um, to, to tie all of this into the common good as well.
1: That's fantastic. We had a wonderful talk last week about uh, the communion of saints and All Saints, All Souls, everything like that. And so, I do think it's uh, wonderful to think about the mystical body of Christ and, and mystics themselves seeing. Uh, The Celestial City that we're all a part of. And uh, I know many of you are familiar with uh, her work, especially in terms of politics or maybe just sort of Catholic uh, sociology in general, but it will be wonderful to hear her talk about her new book. So please stick around, Beau Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. This is The Uncommon Good and we'll be back right after, I'm timing it, right after, right after this. Uh, but if people want to be a part of our show we've already had comments uh with a lot of in the morning show they were bringing up uh asking people here in iowa when adoration times were so the zip whip line uh-oh there you go the zip whip line was a flutter there's all sorts of messages so if you want to bring up anything ask us about the show um what uh, our guest is going to talk about If you have any uh, fun comments about how you heartily weathered the storms that were there on Beggars Night and Halloween, please contact us on the Zip Whip Line. 515-223-1150. That's 515-223-1150. The Zip Whip Line. Uh, We're here for you to hear what you have to say and everything else. And we look forward to you being a part of the show. This is The Uncommon Good. We'll be back. Right after this.
0: Why do folks give to the Catholic tuition organization? Probably because they love Catholic schools, right? Partially, but they also like the tax benefits. Or they were helped when their kids were in school. Or they have been blessed and want to bless others. Whatever the reason, the 65% tax credits are great. And after all, it's for the kids and their future. Online, ctoiowa.org. Thank you, R&R Realty Group, for supporting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. R R Realty Group is an Iowa commercial real estate owner and developer that provides services for all commercial real estate needs, including brokerage, interior space planning, real estate management, construction, and more. RR Realty Group has been accommodating business expansions and real estate solutions since 1985, solving commercial real estate needs. RR Realty Group, establishing long-term relationships built on trust. Thank you,
3: Big Red Q QuickPrint, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980. Big Red Q Quick Print is a full-service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall, online at bigredq-des Moines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print, we make printing easy.
1: back with the Uncommon Good. Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr joining you this Wednesday. Thank you for listening to the show. But if you don't mind, could you inv- uh, introduce our guest that we have on the show today?
2: Our guest this morning is Catherine Jean Lopez. She's a columnist for the National Review Online. One of my favorite um, little tidbits, just looking at her background, is that it says some of her co workers have nicknamed her Kalo, which is a wordplay based on JLo. Uh, she's written extensively on all sorts of things, but her most recent publication is called "A Year with the Mystics: Visionary Wisdom for Daily Living" out by Tam Books. Catherine, thanks for being with us.
3: Thanks for having me on.
2: So I'm kind of curious about the background to the book. Um, you've written on a lot of contemporary topics, but this book, according to your own description, is focused on what we might call the enduring things. Could you uh, give our listeners some sense of the background to the project, or what first inspired you to write about the Mystics?
3: Sure. Well, as, as you intimated, uh, I've been writing about politics and culture and been on top of the news for basically my entire career. I've been in National Review for 24 years or so, and, um, and I used to be editor of the website, and so I, was, I would try to be before the news, you know, <laughs> if yep. that is even possible, and um, and you know at some point you realize this this is not a healthy way to live. <laughs> and I um, I I was a big old dork when I was a, a kid. Even growing up, I mean, I was reading National Review before I even knew what Bill Buckley, the founder, was talking about. And um, and used to watch him on Firing Line with a dictionary, you know, because he was known for using long words that people don't usually use in common speech and um and uh, and I would always want I had like this sense of urgency about me, like why don't more people understand how important politics and public policy is? Well, you know, fast forward <laughs> to the Donald Trump years, America's addicted to politics, right um, yeah. watching it like a reality TV show, and I really, really believe that we need to take some steps back here and um, and get a sense of perspective about our lives, about human history, salvation history, you know, and so anyway, long story short, uh, over the years, I, I've come to be writing more about religion and culture than politics because everybody else wants to read about politics, and um, at, at some point, you know, there, there's a series from, from St. Benedict's Cross, A Year With, and so they have A Year With Mary and the Saints in the Eucharist, and at some point, I was... Um, interviewing one of the authors of, of one of those books, I think it was The, the Saints, Paul Bigpin, who was an editor at St. Benedict's Press at the time, and I said, you guys really need to do A Year with the Mystics." and so, long story short, I wound up doing it. I wasn't volunteering. I just wanted it so I could give it to people as Christmas gifts and things, and um, and I was really grateful that I, I got to do it. It took it took a while because I never took time off, really, from uh, my, my regular job and, and projects, um, but goodness, what a gift to be able to spend all this time with, with all these saints and holy people who, who wind up in the book. So I can tell, looking at
2: the book, that it's definitely geared towards, you know, the Catholic and the pew, and I guess for myself, I've always been really drawn to many of the mystics, but I'll be honest, my first exposure to the mystics was really rough. <laughs> so in and, mm-hmm, and Div School, we read um, The Interior Castle by St. Teresa of Avila, and I'm tracking with her for a while, but all of a sudden you know she's talking about sort of like this mystic um traveling across the the universe and you know all these different like different rooms in a mansion, and mm-hmm. for me, like mm-hmm. it didn't connect it's in the same way yeah, it's intense in the same way that maybe like reading c s Lewis there was something to grab a hold of right. so I mean what would you say maybe as um like if a person's gonna pick up the book, how do they kind of ease themselves into the great wisdom of the mystics?
3: Well, I really tried to take an approach to it which would really reach anybody at any stage. Um so so um <clears throat> and excuse me. And the one a day format helps a lot. No page yeah. is more than four hundred words of text. And so and some days you have longer meditations and some days they're shorter. I tried to do that on purpose so that, you know, sometimes you need a deep breath, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um I also tried to take some what I included people in there who we know for doing more than their prayer life. Mm-hmm. Um, Mother Cabrini would be an example. Elizabeth Ann Seton would be another example, right? The patron saint of immigrants and the builder of our schools and hospitals. Basically, uh, they had this intense relationship with Jesus Christ, and um, I wanted to make that known too. So you can't you can't do stuff without um, with, with the love of God without really having a relationship with Him. Um, Also, I include Mother Teresa in there and John Paul II, contemporaries. So we know it's, this is not just a thing from, from the distant past, right? And, um, and I, I even have some, you know, like practical advice from some of these people. I include John the 23rd, too, who, um, I don't think people think of as a mystic, um, in the way they think of Teresa of Avila or John of the Cross, Catherine of Siena. Um, but, um, but he was one. And, and then, and, and he also gives some real practical advice that kept him in check um, in his in his prayer life. Um, and when we talk about prayer life or our spiritual lives, I mean, I, I I sometimes feel guilty even saying that because it is a part of our entire lives, right? Our, because we're integrated wholes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, one thing I really hope is that people do not feel intimidated at all. One of my my Hopes with this book is that it demystifies mysticism a little bit. The the catechism of the Catholic Church talks about mysticism as as union with God, and that's basically the journey of our lives. So we're all called to this. There's all there's an opening for all of us in this, and I hope that the the, the book um, helps with that.
1: Um, Catherine, this is Beau. i I first of all, I'm just intrigued very much that someone who writes on politics all the time has decided maybe we're talking about it too much and we need to go to the mystics. That alone is worth an entire show to meditate on. (laughs) And I appreciate you pointing that out that maybe even if the political writers are simmer down guys, let's read some mystics uh, that maybe people will finally get the message about balancing their lives out. So thank you for that. Um, The second thing I picked up on is uh, a wonderful way you put this demystifying the mystics. And that starts to me, it seems to me to be one of the whole, uh, you know, that's the thing to ask is why is it in English that mystic mystification is automatically seen as difficult, esoteric, out of people's hands, beyond them, etc. And so, I mean, part of this is maybe dorky tricks of language and what we mean in one language and how it kind of gets transmuted um, in English. But I do think there's something to say when people okay, so yeah, you you talked about how you're going to make it. It's bite sized. This is a, a good entry into the mystics. This is not too hard for anyone. But perhaps they're going to ask, okay, union with God is the absolute end. We understand that. But what's the sort of stuff in the middle? What does mysticism and learning from the mystics? Um, what what does that mean we encounter what do we do when we are trying to be mystical that even uh normal blokes on the street so to speak um right. are called to do it
3: well i think part of our problem is that we think too much about it and we we uh put these expectations um on on our prayer and one one thing I've tried to um, make clear in the book, and I'm sorry, I'm calling from New York City, so you're hearing sirens, I'm sure, in the background. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, try try to be a mystic in New York City, right? Right. <laughs> uh, it's possible even there. Um, uh, part part of um, what i tried to do is is include meditations at different stages, and and that are um, that look different, so that people appreciate that. God works with with individuals in different ways at different times. You know, even the same person will have, you know, maybe it may be some deeply intense uh, holy hour one day, and then the next day, sometimes the danger is you come to expect that to repeat itself. It may repeat itself. It may never repeat itself again a day in your life, you know, but the the goal with this book and the goal of our our prayer lives is to simply spend time with God and to let Him do what He wants to do with us. And one of one of the reasons I thought it was important to this is one one of my hats is I um I actually do some spiritual direction. I got a cert- certification through University of Franciscan University a couple of years ago, and what I found is what exactly I found years ago after doing a silent retreat or, or two, people kind of freak out if, if all of a sudden they have sort of this intense sense of God telling them something or showing them something, um, infusing something, right? Like, what is going on here? This is not normal. Mm. We, we need to be open to the possibility that, yes, God will work in different ways in our prayer. And again, not, not going to prayer seeking it um, or expecting it, but just being open to whatever God wants to reveal, however He wants to reveal it, and of course it's important to have a spiritual director too to help you know accompany you in that and recognize what it is and and what what he's showing you in it i I hope with the book too you know you, you see like I said, God works in different ways at different times and and even with the same person, but there are also familiar ways you know um this when you redo these meditations. You, this is the same God. You, you recognize him, and um, and and these meditations are very much in the heart of the church. and And so, I want wanted to make people feel more comfortable with, again, whatever God wants to do. If we give Him time, we have to give Him time.
1: That's a great way to put it. So, Catherine, I was reading an interview you did with a friend of the show, Charles Camosi. Um regarding oh, yeah. re- regarding your book. And you have a wonderful way you put this. There's something of a tyranny we subject ourselves to in all the noise. The watching politics like a reality TV show states so many of us are in these days. Uh, Be free to live the Trinitarian life. One of the things um, we always try to do with our show is uh, let people realize that something like mysticism has a larger uh, connection to what we talk about with the common good. But this idea that there is a tyranny of noise we subject ourselves to. I don't know if you want to either unpack that or if you want to talk about maybe a moment in your life that made you realize that it wasn't sort of a nuisance, but but a tyranny that we're dealing with when it comes to the way that our attention towards God is diverted.
3: Gosh, I'm, I'm even thinking of just last night, I was, I was trying to sit down and read a, read a book while I was eating dinner and after a long work day. And, um, I, I, went to a diner in New York City and there's just this loud music and it happened to be 80s music too, which is what I grew up on. So, so it's like drawing me in when I'm trying to, you know, read, read this book I need to read for a presentation next week. Um, everywhere we go, you know, in New, in New York City, again, but any urban area in, in particular, you know, where people are commuting. They're like constant earbuds or headphones. It's like they're attached to people's heads, and we're constantly uh, subjecting us ourselves to this noise. And it, it's almost like an expectation—like we need to, like we can't be silent. And um, I really think we need to fight for our silence. And if that means if that means making sure you have a room in your house that doesn't have a television in it, right? Um, because there are so many. There's so many houses where you have you know a TV in in every room that isn't a bathroom, and I've been in hotels where there are TVs in the bathroom too, <laughs> and um, that's just insanity. Um, so to force uh, force yourself to be in these situations where you you just allow some silence or get yourself into a church in front of the tabernacle in front of the blessed sacrament for 15 minutes. You know, my friend Gary Jansen wrote a book a year or so ago that was called the 15-minute prayer solution. And in it, he points out that 15 minutes of the day is 1% of the day. We can all give God 15% of the day. And I have a lot of empathy from moms with young kids. (laughs) 15 minutes. We need to give God 15 minutes (laughs) at the very least. And I know that's a big deal if you've got a lot of things going on. I, I do know people are busy. Um, but we um, we simply we can't we can't um, we can't think straight. Um, we certainly can't have a relationship with God if we're not giving Him a little time to communicate with us.
2: Yeah, <clears throat> a, quick, a quick comment just on that before a question. Uh, I, I recently visited the Birmingham Oratory where Newman lived, and one thing that I was oh. struck struck by is that he would spend the first three hours of each day in prayer and. Uh, mm. We, we talk a lot about grace, and we talk about the saints' dependency on God, but I think we forget sometimes concretely what that actually looks like, where someone like mm-hmm. Newman, he didn't just say, I'm dependent on God. He dedicated three hours each morning to to, to fuel for the day. But I, I like well, that point. Well, and is ahead. another
3: example of that. He, he fought for his holy hour, and he always talked about the importance of it.
2: Yeah, Mother Teresa, she said that they wouldn't be able to do the work that they did without adoration. Right. And the Eucharist. Um, John Paul II. There...
3: <laughs> so many people have stories about going yeah. to mass with him, and and he was untouchable before mass because he was he was uh, he was always deep in prayer. Yeah, the priest that
2: received me into the church, Father James garneau he was privileged to um, celebrate mass with John Paul II one time, and he said that um, towards the end of mass, after the reception of Holy Communion, that he sat there in silence for 25 minutes. But there was no mm-hmm. rush, saying, like, there's something I need to get to. So I love that, just 15 well, minutes. You know, i had the
3: same experience with um, Pope Francis. I was at a Mass with him. I've seen it a couple of times from afar, but I was at Mass with him at the North American Pontifical College in the chapel there a number of years ago, um, right before his visit here. And after communion, and I wanted... Um, one of the seminarians to check on him because I thought he might be dead because he was so intensely in prayer. It was really incredibly moving, and it, it, it lasted for. A, he didn't continue the mass um, because uh, because he was praying, and that was his
1: priority. Oh, sorry. Like we, we're having a few delay issues. Uh, yeah. Um, the the idea that someone like the Pope can actually take time. It's one of those deals where people go, well, of course, he's the pope, but when you think in some ways he's sort of the head of a state, uh, that he has all these issues he has to yeah. deal with, he has to drive, fly, go everywhere, that starts to be it, is if you don't want to take the sort of initiative to uh, jealously guard your time um, to do this, but, you know, I, I think we that shows something very much what's going on here, and Catherine, that you point out, is if prayer is going to be the sort of last thing that we think of, where it's going to be tacked on, it's always easy to push God out of the way. Now, why is this? You go, how is it easy to push God out of the way? He's the king of the universe. But because God is everywhere and is so important for anything being possible for us to do, that makes it quite a bit easier, weirdly enough, to push him out of the way. And so I hear a lot in what you're saying is a call for people to fight back for the time we need in a world who's pressing uh, to, to 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 overtake that time that we need to have.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I also issue a particular warning to people who, um, you know, we have a phrase in the Northeast, I don't know if it goes beyond, professional Catholic. You know, there are people who work at Catholic nonprofits or work for the Church in one capacity or another. And so, during the day, you're doing, quote, Catholic things, you know, and um, but you're, you know, balancing budgets or, or you're talking or whatever you're doing. It's not necessarily, and, and hopefully you're offering it all up and you're trying to make your entire life a prayer, but if you are not actually praying, <laughs> right, mm. um, taking that time, and, and in particular, if you're doing that kind of work, the devil's going to work on you extra hard, <laughs> and so you definitely have to fight for that time and make sure you're doing it. Um, because it can be real easy to say, oh, well, you know, I'm a good person, I'm talking about God all the time, and, and so it's okay that I'm not praying. No, no, it's, it's especially not okay that you're not praying. It's it's a, a real temptation people can fall into.
1: Well, we're coming up on the break, so I don't want to launch uh, into another question and uh, then immediately have to, to break in. But I, what I want to uh, sort of recap for people real quick if we can get this down to uh very bite-sized notions that you all need to take to heart someone who talks about politics all the time says you're talking about it too much and you need to pray (laughs) and someone who has to be so busy like you do to talk on the news and uh to to constantly be putting out copy to respond to things as they unfold like you said to beat the news story before it even happens if she's saying you guys can all take 15 minutes, that if you need to aggressively fight in order to have that time, folks, what a wonderful thing for us all to contemplate and think about. Catherine, we're going to come go to a commercial here in just a bit, and when we come back, uh, we look forward not only to talking to you again, but really throw into this idea about if this is a show about the common good— What does mysticism have to do with the common good? I think we did a really good job of covering on the beginning of the show why it is that personally we need this, but I think there's very fertile ground to start to really look into. How is it that society not only needs mystics, but needs us to attend to our mystical life and not just, so to speak, fold all of our public life into um, politics, but realize that there's many ways in which as a city, as a community, as citizens, both here on earth and hopefully one day of heaven that we have to attend to the mystical and the prayer life. So Catherine, thank you for uh, the the first half of the show. We're going to go to break here. When we come back more from Catherine Lopez, talking about her new book, a year with the mystics. This is the uncommon good stick around. We'll be back right after these messages. Folks, if you want to be a part of Iowa Catholic Radio, not only uh, listening to the show, which we love that you do, but online and able to see what we're doing, our programming, and how we are doing things in and around the diocese, it's easy to do so. You can go to the OG original website, iowacatholicradio.com. There you can do things like sign up for newsletters, listen to the show, find out what the schedule is, donate, etc., etc. Wonderful place for you to go and get involved. If you want to follow us on Twitter, that's easy too at IA Catholic Radio. We will get you the tweets necessary to be tweetified and be plugged into what we are doing. Also, if you would like to do Facebook, one more time, easy to do. All you have to do is go search for Iowa Catholic Radio. You can friend us, and when you friend us online, you will see all of our posts. Our posts are about our programming, what we're up to in the diocese, and ways that you can contribute to this ministry. This is The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner Dr. Bud Mars, speaking with Catherine Lopez in her new book, A Year with the Mystics. We'll be back. Right after these messages.
0: Why do folks give to the Catholic tuition organization? Probably because they love Catholic schools, right? Partially, but they also like the tax benefits. Or they were helped when their kids were in school. Or they have been blessed and want to bless others. Whatever the reason, the 65% tax credits are great. And after all, it's for the kids and their future. Online, ctoiowa.org. Vite Family Care is part of the Iowa Catholic Radio family. Pro-life physician Greg McKernan, a D.O., has practiced for 27 years seeing patients of all ages with just about every kind of need. Dr. McKernan lives his faith as a physician and is trained in NAPRO technology, allowing him to diagnose and treat many female conditions and even markedly reduce the occurrence of a miscarriage. VitaeFamilyCare.com Remember, Vitae is Latin for life. Thank you to Confluence Brewing Company for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Confluence Brewing Company brewed locally and featuring regular, seasonal, and limited-release beers available in their tap room and at local stores, bars, and restaurants. Confluence has a beer garden for you, your family, and friends to enjoy. Confluence Brewing Company is located at 1235 Thomas Beck Road, off the bike trail south of Grays Lake, and online at confluencebrewing.com. Confluence Brewing Company, where good things come together, ingredients, ideas, and friends. Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio.
3: Cold front moving through today. We'll have cloudy skies, gusty wind, upper 40s, and maybe a rain or snow shower. A few snow showers this evening, then clearing up low near twenty, sunny and low 30s tomorrow. Weather is brought to you by Rock Valley Physical Therapy, outstanding outpatient physical therapy and sports medicine rehabilitation. Seven convenient locations in the Des Moines metro and southwest Iowa area. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio.
1: this is the uncommon good back with you today on the beautiful wednesday bo bonner and dr bud mar coming to you live from mercy one studio uh bud uh if you don't mind would you mind reintroducing our guest and getting the second segment of the show started up
2: yeah our guest this morning is Uh, Catherine Jean Lopez, she's a regular columnist for National Review Online. But her most recent book is A Year with the Mystics, Visionary Wisdom for Daily Living. It's um, being published by St. Benedict Press. Catherine, thanks for coming back on on air. Thank you. Yeah, so um, as Bo previewed, um, our show, the main theme is Catholic social teaching and the common good. And Mm -hmm. I know uh, when we talk about the mystics, well, let me back up on the show. One bifurcation that we're constantly fighting against is this idea that there's like a public life and a private sphere, and that religious practice mm. involves in the uh, it's it's properly located in like our private life. So it's fine to do what you want on Saturday and Sunday as long as those commitments don't enter public discourse. Um, and I could see someone hearing about the mystics, especially maybe uh, someone outside the church and saying, that's fine. Uh, if, you, if you want to dedicate so much of your daily time to prayer, you know, so be it. But are the mystics, like, in their minds, I could see them saying, like, they're sort of useless. Like, there's something very impractical about prayer. And so when we talk about what really matters, like um, taxes and, and public policy, uh, <laughs> that's just a, a wholly separate thing. What might you say to that <laughs> kind taxes of...
3: taxes is all that matters, God's <laughs> in to trouble.
2: Texas in depth. <laughs> uh, what would you say to that sort of uh, response?
3: Well, you know, um, I part of my prayer with this book is you know, everything you just said is absolutely true, and yet there's this seemingly universal search for something, right? Um, there, There's the increase of people who describe themselves as spiritual, not religious. And so part of my hope is that those folks will be – Drawn into this and realize, oh, maybe the church does have something to offer me, right? Um, because it, it it is so much in the heart of the church, and there are so many, you know, there there's so many misunderstandings about the church and what we think about women, and there's so many women featured in this in this book who are doctors of the church or otherwise hurled by the by by the Catholic Church. Um, and we do have, again, jumping off what what you were just saying, we do. At the same time, have this part of our culture where every time someone says thoughts and prayers, you know, the, the New York Daily News had had a, had a cover after one of these gun tragedies, and that said, your prayers aren't working; God isn't listening. Something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there is some some real skepticism about whether there's there's any point to it all. And well, you know, the fact of the matter is, the more time you spend in prayer, the uh, the more you start looking at the world and individual people through the the eyes of the heart of Jesus. Right? Um, you can't you can't walk down the street. I'm sorry, I'm using so many examples from New York City, but you can't. I can't go to mass in the morning without encountering lots of homeless people, and um, you know, your approach, if you're not actually praying and you're like checking the box and going to a hymn, um, could be to just ignore them, right? Um, but and and think, well, I'm busy, I have to go to work, and you know, and 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 then the, there are constantly judgments we make, right? Um, well, he must have done something to get himself there, or I smell booze, or whatever it is. Well, you know, the more you spend time with with God in prayer, <laughs> the more you can't help but see. This man who's begging for money or is passed out on the street was made in the image and likeness of God, and something terrible happened. I don't know what that is. I'm probably not going to find out what it was, but something terrible happened to him, and he's in this situation. But he's still created by the same creator who created me, and that means something. And so you, just, you have to approach him with love, and that translates to public policy, too. You know, these... Debates that we have aren't mere debates; they're about human beings' lives, right? And um, and so, I it makes us more sensitive too. You know, so, so many of us have, have spent so much of our lives um, advocating against legal abortion, right? Um, here in New York, we just expanded legal abortion. If that's even. Yeah, it's even hard to still comprehend, and it happened in January. And our, our Catholic governor um, lit up the Freedom Tower of all things, which should be a sign of resurrection, right? The, on the grounds of the old World Trade Center um, that were taken down by the terrorists. and and yet sometimes when we when we do this, when we're, we're so so much a part of the political debate, and we want to defund Planned Parenthood and, and all of these things that are good, right? We, we can forget the hurting people, you know, who, who we want to be able to reach with our our words and our actions. And so maybe the, you know, picture of the aborted fetus is not the, the way to enter the conversation um, in front of the abortion clinic. Maybe there's a more loving way. Maybe, you know, John Paul II is, is such an example of that when you read his Evangelium Vitae, um, where he talks about the woman who has had an abortion, the woman who's considering abortion with such love. And um, so, anyway, the, the one way of saying mysticism kind of changes everything, um, because it is really just spending more and more time with God and helping him show you what he wants to show you in the world. And so, obviously, it has implications for public policy yeah. and for every relationship in our lives.
1: Well, it makes me think... Um... Going back to one of the things you said that kind of started all of that observation is when people go, your prayers aren't working, um, it really begins to show the sort of desiccated pagan idea of what they think prayer means. So there's this idea of a sort of like consumerist exchange, right? I ask God for favors, and that's what prayer is, and so then when they're not working, Obviously, the prayers are not working. And so, you know, in the modern era, we go like, that's because there's no God. If you were sort of a fatalist Greek, you were like, oh, I haven't, you know, offered enough hecatombs to Zeus or whatever. But the idea is it's there's still a sort of similarity, right? That this is all prayer is a sort of uh, it's, it's an exchange model, right? I make demands that either are answered or not. I've either done what okay. I should or have I blah, 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 blah. Mysticism. I'm not saying, of course, that the ancient pagans didn't have some aspects of mysticism. They were usually sort of um, drenched in sort of ecstatic, uh, you know, sort of Dionysian um, craziness, as it were. But the sort of controlled, habitual, disciplined mysticism that Christianity has long taught, um, the sort of... Uh, that eros and and, and sort of cu- being drawn outside of yourself, but in a way that's not sort of hectic and, and 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 identity destroying, is the antidote to this idea that prayer is just a sort of spiritual commerce. And when you think about like all that you said about how prayer changes how we view humans as made in the image of God, and therefore that's going to change how we do public policy and things like this. I mean, that starts to be it. Is if in the prayer life. We're seeking to unify with God. Prayer stops being, I'm making demands and then I'm asking God what he wants from me in order to answer these demands. It stops being commercial and it starts being, like you said, visionary, illuminating, right? We start to see the world different. And then in many ways, what mysticism is asking a society to do, not just individuals, is to see the world through the eyes of God in a way that can only occur the more and more we are mystically unified with God. And so an order that can see the world through that endeavor, union with God, is going to be absolutely different politically, practically, incarnationally.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there's a real danger in all of our relationships, frankly, and I've certainly fallen victim to this in my life, where you become transactional, right? All right? I need to get this article for, from you for our website, and and I need to meet this deadline for you. And, um, I mean, even... Even the three of us, well, you know, we, we may never have an, another conversation again, right? We we just had this conversation for the show, you know, and there's a danger that. Well, we, hopefully not. That. I
1: just want to be hopefully first not. on record, first on. I hope no. so. <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay.
3: And I will make it a point to pray for you now because we just had this <laughs> you conversation. You did
1: say it on national radio. That's actually
3: I'm exactly, go exactly. But 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 there's a real danger, and so of course we do this with human beings. We're going to do it with God. This is the way we operate. And um, so we really have to have to um, caution ourselves against that. And, and getting regular routines, things that are constant um, in, our, in our prayer life are, are just Im- so important. And, um, and that's why the, you know, the, the format of this book, the one a day format, um, which by the way, it doesn't have um, for anyone who hasn't seen the book, it it doesn't say you know January one. You can nope. start whenever you want. And frankly, I I'm using it in my prayer. And I just open to whatever page, um, you know. I, I I open to a page a day in whatever whatever order. And um, and so I I don't want people to feel burdened by it. You know, I I want it to be a help. But it is important to um, to make a commitment. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this every day. Um, um, and have a couple of those things. Maybe you pray the rosary every day, and maybe you have a real hard time with the rosary, so maybe you pray a decade every day, or a decade in the morning, or a decade at the, the end of the day. At, at least that's you know, ten Hail Marys that wouldn't have been said otherwise. Getting ourselves into these routines are important, but, but part of the reason why, you know, the, the mysticism aspect is so important is because our relationship with God has to be about love, Right? And so the time that we spend, it's like, you know, um, it's like with a spouse. You know, you, you, if you're not spending time with your spouse, there's going to be a problem, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so, so making, making the time, making him a priority and, and wanting that, desiring that. And, and if, if you don't desire it, but you know you want to desire it, you know, pray for the grace for the desire. Start somewhere.
2: Catherine, earlier you mentioned Mother Cabrini, and you've talked about John Paul II. I'm curious in your research for the book, was there any saint that you um, um, uncovered, and it was it was kind of a great discovery? Maybe someone you hadn't known about before, and what kind of process did you use to say this person's a mystic and they belong in my book?
3: Well, um, yeah, no, I definitely there were there were people who were not familiar to me. Um, you know there there are people I started with like Catherine of Siena um, who are absolutely going to be in the book. Um, but um, I I did a 30 day retreat um, uh, the spiritual exercise of, the, of Ignatius a, a few years ago, and during the course of it I was in a season. So there was um, there was this book that I kept encountering by um, Francisco de Asano. Um, and he had the third spiritual alphabet, and I had never, ever heard of him before in my life. And after the retreat, I started flipping through him, and it's a huge book. Um, but, oh, my goodness, there's such beauty in there. And I just had never heard of him. I mean, I didn't discover him, but he became yeah. a, a new discovery in my life anyway. Um, there, there was also there's a Dominican, Henry Fuso, who I had encountered here and there in Magnificat, I think. Um, but I really didn't know much um, about. But his love of eternal wisdom is just so rich, and so he's in there too. There's also um, a Dominican named John of Saint Thomas, who I um, had never encountered except for a Dominican I know uh, did the introduction for a new a, a new reprint of, of of one of his books on the the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and so he wound up in the book there. But I literally had no idea he he had existed before uh, I was I was working on the book and before that that book came out from Clooney Media a couple of years ago. Um, so yeah, there were definitely new discoveries. And then I something I did in the book too is I included a couple of people who are living, um, one of them being um, Father Donald Haggerty, who um, is a priest of St. Patrick's Cathedral, assigned to St. Patrick's Cathedral right now, a diocesan priest in New York, who has a number of books, um, three books from Ignatius Press that are, Deep spiritual treasures, and and so again to remind people, this is not something of the past, um, and that you can even be, you know, um, a person of, of deep prayer in the <laughs> the hustle and bustle of the city. And oh my goodness, I mean St. Patrick's Cathedral, they're just there, you can have to fight for your <laughs> for your peace sometimes because there are so many tourists coming coming in and out. But it, it's it's even possible there. And I also included Mother Angelica, um, who. Um, who, of course, we know for doing, right? Um, But she would have never made the leap of faith of this television network and all those other crazy things if it wasn't because she had such a deep um, relationship with Jesus and was convinced this is what he was asking her to do.
1: Well, um, Catherine, we're getting ready to come up to the end of the show here, but the last thing I really wanted to ask about was one of the things I saw you talk about one more time with with Charles Camosi, Um, was about loneliness and how, uh, if there is something we want to say about our societies, how profoundly alone it can make people feel. And so it might seem counterintuitive to say that what you really need to do is make sure to have some alone time to, you know, read about mystics or to even sort of, you know, have an alone time in prayer. If we're all so lonely, why would we, you know, go to the mountaintop and pray but I think there's something that I see coming through, not only with what you said in this interview, but all that you've spoken of here, that A, we really do make friends with the saints. And if, we, if we're if we going to be serious about not being, like you said, just professional Catholics um, or even cultural ones, that we really do think the saints are alive and real and that there is a society of the saints and that they do want to reach out and, and befriend us and, and actually have a real community with us. But that also there's a way in which prayer leads to a much thicker understanding of what it means to be interconnected with even the living. And then, of course, in November with the dead who we pray for and the saints in heaven. Um, Do you think that that's, you know, this last uh, few moments that we have here, is there something to say about combating loneliness through not only prayer, but mystical prayer specifically?
3: Oh my goodness, absolutely. I remember years and years, probably two decades ago, maybe, actually, even um, a priest saying to me, and I have no idea what I was confessing, but a priest saying to me in, in the confessional, you know, look at, look at Jesus Christ on the cross. He's the only man who will never disappoint you. <laughs> right. And that's so important, because, you know, all of us, whoever we are, whether we're the Pope or, you know, um, whoever we are, we're going to disappoint people, <laughs> and we're going to be disappointed. Um, and we're going to feel alone, even in the midst of millions of people, sometimes. And it's so important to remember that that um, that Jesus doesn't leave us. <laughs> Mary is our mother. Um, that that these saints are real. And I think it's important to you know to talk about these things. You know, I, I mean, you can't. Well, Necessarily launch into it from nowhere, you know, with people. But, you know, I, I, I have deep, deep lifelong friendships where, you know, we do talk about these things. I, you know, every, every once in a while, there's one friend in particular I'm thinking of, but it's not exclusive to to, to this friendship. You know, I'll, I'll be praying for him, and and um, I might send just a little line saying you know, there was this meditation in 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 Magnificat today from Catherine of Siena, and I she really seemed to be, you know, calling out to you. And he, he'll, he'll say, well, that's crazy because I just, you know, I've been feeling St. Catherine of Siena really present in my life for the last few days. And, um, and it's just a little reminder that, you know, this, this is all real. <laughs> this is a reality. And um, I think we need to, to be a, a little more open to it and, and open to even sharing a little bit more about it um, because that will encourage people to, to really make it a, a real part of their lives to invite the, the saints in and um, and to not bear the sorrow alone because there's lots of pain and misery. It's just reality and fear and anxiety. And um, we can really get strangled by it if we um, don't make use of all the, the resources we have and these spiritual, these supernatural um, resources are just, um, they make such a difference.
1: Well, Catherine, it's been fantastic to speak with you. Um, If you don't mind, can you let people know, I mean, obviously the book, we've been repeating it, but where they might be able to find the book. uh, By the way, it's made out of beautiful imitation leather. leather. I think if people just go look on the book online, they'll want to get it just for how wonderful it looks as a book. Um, But other places that they can follow your work and make sure to stay tuned uh, with everything that you're involved in.
3: Yeah, I do have to say I'm so grateful to St. Benedict's Press because it's it's a beautiful book that you really want to hold in your hand. Um, it's actually on sale on Amazon right now. It's it's 36% off, which I'm so grateful for because it really makes it more affordable for people and to give as gifts, to I've bought at least uh, 13 copies <laughs> at, <laughs> at the moment. Uh, that's what Amazon yeah. tells me. I'm pretty sure the, the, the number is higher, so I've officially spent more money on the book than I got paid to write it. But, that's right. Um, I know. But, how but, I like um, but <laughs> it's why I wanted it to exist. So you can get the book on Amazon. You can get it on St. Benedict's Press website. And you can, you can follow me at nationalreview.com. Um, and um, I'm always on Twitter, too, at Catherine Lopez. Um, I'm always tweeting out um, things uh, and links to my, uh, my writing and, and events and things
1: like that. Well, Catherine Lopez, it's been a pleasure and a great honor to have you on the show. Thank you for coming and talking uh, to us. And I really do hope people uh, take advantage of this book, like you said, especially with the holiday season coming up and in the month of November. It would be a beautiful gift for people to have. So thank you for coming on the show.
3: Thank you so much. God bless you.
1: Bless you. All right, Bud, uh, another show in the books, Uh, you know. Proud of you buddy you're you're not a mystic yet, but you're getting there, and someday there'll be entire books with the Budmar section uh, of Budmar mysticism. We'll call it um nebraska do you want Husker mysticism or nebraska mysticism
2: i'll be I'll be happy with my life if I just get one of those like mysticism for
1: dummies <laughs> yellow copy. <laughs> Yeah, no, okay. We, we can work on that one, man. Well, okay. this has been The Uncommon Good. Thank you for listening. May Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, reign in our hearts, and our families, our city, our state, nation, the entire globe, solar system, galaxy, galaxies, galaxies of galaxies, the whole kit and caboodle. This is The Uncommon Good, and we will be back next week. <laughs> But if people want to stay attached to what we're up to here at Iowa Catholic Radio, how can they do so by joining in our prayer life online?
2: Yeah, today's entire show is about deepening your prayer life, and um, the radio station hopefully makes that easier for everyone because we schedule prayer into the broadcast. So the rosary is prayed daily at 5.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m. and 9.30 p.m. We also pray the Angelus daily at 6 in the morning.
1: And if you want to be involved in what we are up to around the diocese uh, here in Des Moines, it's easy to do so as well. A few events coming up quickly now, November 8th at noon, the Man Up West Power Lunch over at St. Francis of Assisi Parish. Tim Jameson will bring his first class relic of the true cross of Jesus Christ plus other relics. It's going to be great. Bring your own sacramentals to make your own third class relics. And this will occur, like we said, around lunch uh, at noon, excuse me, lunch from Chick-fil-A. Also man up in November evening outing, Our Mission is Men, with Bishop William Johnson, Johnson, excuse me, and led by Deacon, Deacon Randy Keel. Tuesday, November 19th, Rosary at 520, Mass at 545. Fellowship dinner and program at 6.30 at the Basilica of St. John's. Uh, capacity is capped at 200 for this event, so make sure to check that out online as well at iowa Catholic Radio.com. Uh, the big event, Utfidem and Iowa Catholic Radio present extraordinary news with Father John Ricardo and the premiere of The Veil Removed Saturday, December 7th, 7 p.m. at the Iowa Events Center Grand Ballroom. And finally, John Leonetti and Father Adam will be leading a trip to South Africa with Blessment International July 23rd to August 24th. Spaces limited. Applications need to be be in by May 21st. You can change the life of a child in South Africa with John Leonetti. Or change John Leonetti's life. We're all for that, too. Uh, But you can do that with John Leonetti and Iowa Catholic Radio. And once more, easy to go do all of this stuff, iowacatholicradio.com. We cover your prayers, as we talked about today. Uh, We hope to see you at these events. And then also, if you have it, uh, if you're capable to do so, we love it when you support our ministries, because we're in this together. It's not just the people you hear on air or the people behind the boards or the office, but you as well. This is your ministry, too. And if you're able to help us, iowacatholicradio.com is an easy place to go find the donate button and use your time talent and treasure to help us with this endeavor bud great to talk to you again man i'm glad that you are sort of getting a little bit more stability and you're going to be in the house in november tell uh, rachel and the kids hello and i hope you enjoy uh being a bum man
2: yeah no it's the month of thanksgiving so i'm thankful for you and for the show i hope that's not too mushy but it's always a lot of fun
1: Well, I'm uh, thankful for uh, being told we need to let go uh, and get off the show. So this is The Uncommon Good. We'll see you next week.
0: Bye-bye. The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr is heard every week on wonderful Catholic stations like this one and anytime on podcasts. Just search for The Uncommon Good.